This is Amalia Eon Karras. Hey everyone, it's Satya, and you're listening to Love, Love Sex, Sex and, and the Hidden, Hidden Agenda. Agenda. So, in our last episode, we were talking about how porn is a virus. Well, we were talking about so many amazing things, but at the end, at the very end, and I wanted to keep talking, but we had to stop, but you mentioned uh, about porn spreading through our psyches like a virus. And that is fascinating to me. And I, I feel like people really need to know like what, what you're really talking about. I don't think like people really understood the depths of, of what that, that was. And, um, and I, I even need to, to hear it again. I've heard it before and I was completely blown away, but I wanted to, um, go into that because I want to go deeper into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's important to explain like how I see and where this information comes from and why I just say something like that. So flippantly, um, it's not, it's not from some sort of, um, I don't know, somebody might think like, Oh, that's a, like a religious standpoint, but no, when I, um, it's not the case at all. In fact, um, in my twenties, I was very, sexually active and expressed and felt very liberated sexually and explored a lot of my, my sort of shadow nature. Um, and then when I was 30, um, my father passed away as well as my spiritual teacher. And actually that year there were nine deaths in my family or my inner circle. Um, and so an extraordinary experience happened to me where, um, my Kundalini awakened and I didn't know what a Kundalini awakening was at the time, but I was dating an Indian guy, um, who comes from a long lineage of, um, like a, the, the tantric path. Um, basically, um, after my dad passed away, some interesting phenomena started happening happening to me where during sex I was opening to other ways of seeing. So um this guy that I was dating, he liked to only be sexual with like the the lights turned off and in pitch black. And and was he like a tantric master or something like that? Like well, he studied, I mean, he's from a lineage of tantric, um, Hinduism, mm. um, like the Brahmin caste, for those of you who understand, um, that's like his, his bloodline. Mm. Um, he himself, um, his, his father wasn't a priest. His father was like the first one in the li- lineage to like go into the armed forces. And then he was sort of pushed in that way. But um, he did a lot of self-study of ancient texts. Um, and it's, 
but it's really passed down through the bloodlines, a lot mm. of it. Um, but he had a lot of, um, you know, self-knowledge as well as um, book knowledge of Kundalini and, and tantric practices. Mm. Um, but it wasn't this kind of neo-tantric stuff that we learn in the West. It's, it's from a, a d- deeper... Um, Sounds like the real thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was more like the real thing. And I was, I was really looking for, for someone who could explain to me more sacred sexuality because of the path that I was on in my twenties and just exploring sexuality and wanting more, um, from my sex life. But what happened with him was really extraordinary because it was a kind of, um, orgasm and experiences that I had never had before. And I thought I was quite, you know, sexually explored at that point. (laughs) Mm. But um, yeah, in one of our sort of experiences, you know, I don't even think we were having sex, but we were just kind of in an intimate space. It was dark. Um, It was sexual in nature. Um, But I started to see like through time and space. So I was reaching sort of an orgasmic state, but what was happening was I, I was opening to a different vision. Um, and and it's hard to explain. So I'm going to try and do the best I can, but basically like the sky opened up and instead of seeing a dark room, I was seeing, um, all the different we lived, I was living in an apartment complex in San Francisco and I could see all the different units in my apartment building and on what floor. And somehow I started connecting and feeling that there were people having sex in certain units simultaneously. Like I just immediately could see, it was like a movie got turned on. And then I was so tripped out by that, that I kept expanding my vision and it felt like I could just move further and further above the building to like the whole block and then to like the whole city. And I, I was tapping into like everyone who was simultaneously like in orgasmic state or having a sexual experience. And it was so trippy. Yeah. It was really like, like a sci-fi movie or something, you know, the vision was, was really wild. And then I was thinking, well, how am I able to see all this and what's, what's happening here? Um, and when I zoomed out even further, I saw this parasitic looking creature that had tentacles that was like siphoning off, um, all of these sexual experiences, like it, it was basically the way I would describe it is it was in an astral realm experience where there's another entity living that had cast a kind of shadow net, kind of like a spider web with tentacles that was siphoning off the energy of our sexual natures. Does that make sense? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know it's really gross, but that's what I saw. That's why I call it a parasite. Uh, wow. So, so what do you, 
I feel like everyone needs a minute. <laughs> I do. I'm like all shaky because it's so scary. I don't know, like revisiting it and looking at it again, it's like really activates me. So you were just blown open and you could just suddenly see and feel all these things. I mean, that's like, you know, we all have like some kind of ability, you know, if you're walking past somebody and you feel, oh, I feel like that person over there is, um, you know, sad today or, or just got some bad news or, or that person seems really alive or happy or it's like that, but just a whole other dimension. Yeah. And, well, I think what you're talking about is more empathic. No, this was vampiric, dark energy that was basically taking people's some so it was perverting the the pure pureness of the sexuality so uh it was kind of a frightening experience for me because it was distorting people's sexual desires to be like darker and more hungry it was like a hungry ghost or like a i i just always see it like vampiric but it was more parasitic like you know a vampire would just like take a prey and suck the blood out it wasn't doing it like that it was like a sneaky way it was planting itself inside people's psyche so that as they were having sex it was then feeding them these dark images and a lot Mm -hmm. of it was connected to porn because i kept pulling back the veil and i kept following of of where like following the tentacles back Uh back and back and back Uh (sighs) it's so intense it's like so so activating my body right now so was that the first time that you'd seen that was the first time i saw it and it flipped me out so much that I very quickly realized I could not have sex anymore. And I, I realized that I needed to purify my body and my womb and my like sexual energy from, because I could see that this, this, this parasite lived inside me also. And it was what was, um, kind of feeding off this sort of darker nature of my sexuality. And Mm. it, it jarred me so much that I ended up going from a very sexually liberated and expressed person to totally obstinate for what ended up being five years. Um, But I thought at the time that um, it was just going to be like a nine months kind of a thing, but it, yeah, I kept seeing that was just the first time I saw it, but I continue to see it to this day. I track it and I see it. I mean, I that would be enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that would be enough to make anyone ruin your you sex know, life. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, totally ruin my sex life. <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, that would be so shocking. It's here. Here's all these innocent human beings like trying to do something supposed to be you know loving or sacred and then something like that is going on and yeah, then feeding it a lot it and, and perverting it is what I was it was like feed so the parasite itself once once you engage it it's kind of like it controls us 
and I started to see that it's like hooked into like everybody. Like there's very, I don't, I couldn't see people that weren't connected to it. And that's, Mm -hmm. that was the bigger disturbance um, was just finding someone or looking for someone that didn't have that hookup. Mm, Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you think about all of the images, even uh, that we're exposed to just on billboards and, there's always something kind of um, dark, uh, it seems to me, you know, sexually, um, or women in precarious positions or with certain looks on their face. or uh, And it seems like, let's say, even if you're not watching porn, although porn's a direct route into that, I'm sure, but this, this, uh, yeah, there's something, there's something there. And I, I wonder if people, I want, I want to know, you know, how many people out there have had, uh, you know, fantasies or, or things that um, they think are probably not okay or that they wouldn't just, you know, assume everyone else is having, or they wouldn't just tell their, their friend. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the immediate um, I don't know, I want to call it tweaks or, or distortions that happened right after that for me sexually. So it wasn't like immediately after that, I decided to be abstinent. I kept, I kept trying to be sexual, but what was happening every time I was sexual um, was that I would have these weird, um, it, it felt like a past life memory. So you know, I was with my Indian boyfriend at the time. Um, and I would have this whole on like experience of him as my uncle and I was a niece and it was like a role play play out, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily tell him what I was seeing in my head. I was just like going along with it, but somehow like the way he was behaving, Uh there was sort of like a, a telepathic communication as if he could see what I was seeing. Mm. And then it was like the minute we would have sex, I would then end up crying and feeling really disturbed and shameful. And then he would, then he would kind of snap out of, you know, the trance that we were in and he'd be like, what's going on? Like, why are you crying? And I was like, Oh my God, I, I just, you were my uncle. And then (laughs) I was Mm. trying to figure out like, wait a second, did you see what I saw? Like, do you remember this? And then he was, you know, he's a spiritual guy and does a lot of meditation and was curious as to what my experience was. But honestly, what happened was that I started thinking, oh my God, he's, he molested someone or he's, he's done this, this lives in him. And I'm just like tapping into it. And why? And then, and then it was like, well, no, I was the one seeing that and what's wrong with me. And so then this whole like weird pointing fingers, like whose problem mm. is this? Happening? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that would be the natural, you know, something like that happens. You're thinking, am I tapping into this person and it's theirs or their issue? And am I 
getting information about them or is this, is this about me? Is this something I've repressed or something, or where did I get this? Where did this come from? Yeah. And the first couple of times it happened, it was like, okay, this is our past life experience. That's what I kind of summed it up as is like, we were the niece and an uncle in a past life because in the visions, you know, I was Indian. We were both Indian. That was what was so uh, And I was like, huh, okay, like, is this his Indian niece? And then, of course, I, he didn't take it very lightly when I sort of accused him of molesting a niece. You know, his nieces at the time were very young. And he was like, how could you say? I mean, he was very, very disturbed that I would even yeah. have that thought of him, mm-hmm. which now I get. But at the time, I was just trying to figure it out. Like, what is wrong with me? And well, you then must have been freaking out. I mean, I was freaking out. It really sucked. It really ruined my <laughs> pleasure. Oh gosh, around my sexuality—that's for sure. And as it continued, I mean, it basically every time we tried to be sexual, I would end up shaking, like terrified, crying. Oh gosh. And then I realized, okay, well, I've been a therapist long enough and studied psychology long enough to know that if a client, I would say, you've been sexually abused and this is hidden memory coming out. But at the time, I had no um, memory of being abused. So I started seeing other therapists and trying to like dig inside my own psyche. Like, have I been abused? Like, where is this coming from? And why am I, you know, freaking out here? Here it is. My dad died and all these other people in my life passed Uh away that same year. And I'm now in this kind of drama trauma around my sexuality. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and for those of, you know, for those listeners who may or may not believe in past lives, I mean, that, it, it, it doesn't really matter because either way, um, it, yeah, it, it, you don't know where it was coming from. It could have been something from this life or you could have been, um, but this, this is, I'm, I'm tripping out that you're saying this because this is, this is a thing. This is actually a thing. Um, and it keeps, I keep hearing about it from people and, this is so not talked about. This is such a huge secret. And people don't talk about this, but if you talk to, uh, you know, anyone who's a sex therapist or, um, you know, who, who knows these things, the whole niece uncle fantasy thing is pretty, I don't know if I want to say common, but I want to say, a lot more common than people would think. And, you know, people, it's scary. So this is, here we go. You know, this is, this is why this, the light needs to be shed on this because it's, it's, a, it's scary because people are not knowing this and, and stuff is going on, you know, in families and stuff. You know, an uncle is, a, is usually a safe person, a trusted person maybe the only male that sometimes a niece is around and just on another note, not talking exactly about the energetics that you're talking about, but on a, on a real physical, um, you know, plane here, 
it, these things happen in families pretty, yeah. pretty often and more often than talked about. That's for sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just, I mean, I, you know, maybe in another episode or something, we'll have to go, you know, more into that. And, and, uh, because that's, well, you know, what's really fascinating. So about two years after I had that experience, I moved to India with that same partner who became my husband. And our first cleaning lady, <laughs> who was 19 years old, um, so she's like the first Indian girlfriend. I mean, I guess I, I call her friend because she was my first kind of, you know, villager that I got to know mm. living in the country. Well, here she was 19. She had two kids. One was six, mm-hmm. six years old. <laughs> she's 19. Mm. And her other child was like one years old. And her husband was 26 years old and was her uncle, her mother's brother. Oh. And when I heard that he, you know, she had her first kid at like, what, 12? Oh, wow. Or, you know, she, was, she was 12 when she got married and she had her first kid at 13. That just like tripped me out. And then the fact that she's married to her uncle and I was like, well, is that normal? Is that okay? Like, why are you married yeah, to your uncle? Yeah, And she said, oh, well, my dad died. And so they made me marry my uncle because who else is going to take care of me? And that was just completely normal for her. I mean, for that Uh village. I mean, that that wasn't weird for anybody. I see. Except me. (laughs) Okay, of course. Yeah. Right. And I'm sitting there going, like, does anyone else find this weird? Because this is creepy. Like, what? Oh my goodness. But no, it was just like, that's. Yeah. That would never fly here in the West. Right. And then it becomes like, well, why doesn't it fly here? And where, why is it okay in some cultures and not? And so then, then it made me look back on that memory of a past life. Now here, here's the weird thing about that, that whole memory when I was feeling like his niece in these sexual encounters is that I loved him deeply. Like the love I had for him was so immense and pure. And then Mm -hmm. somehow the sexual act felt really dirty and impure and like a distortion of the love. Right. And that's what stuck with me. And what I found with this, you know, parasite, we started talking about the parasite. Yeah. Is that that's um, the part that felt unpure and shameful is the parasite. So when the parasite's mm-hmm. not there, the pureness, the innocence and the it doesn't go to those dark places like it has it has its own expression of freedom and bliss that doesn't have shame involved. And that's what I'm trying to get back to in my own life. And I've, you know, this was, this all happened in 2003. So, you know, I've been doing Uh this for a number of years, trying to clear the hooks of that parasite that are in me from my personal abuse stories, which, you know, later I, I learned over a course of many years that I had been molested and I had a lot of hidden memory come up, but, um, not only remove it in me, but then find, find a partner that isn't feeding that parasite and is 
is able to disengage it. I haven't, I have not yet experienced that. I've met people who've come close, but basically I feel that we're all sort of infected. And, but I do think that there's a, there's a possibility and a way to, to dislodge um, this. It's going to, it needs a lot of consciousness, a lot of um, love and, and care. And I don't know if anyone else can see it the way I see it, but I can literally see it inside of people and in the, in the astral realm. I see it very clearly. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's, I, I mean, and I don't think, you know, in no way are, are we saying, cause I'm just <laughs> realizing that somebody, somebody out there might be thinking like, wait, are they saying like that, that without the parasite, you know, it, or without the, the negative thought forms that it would be okay in some way for an uncle and a niece to be together or for, uh, like this kind of fantasy to occur. Um, that's not what we're saying. No, I think that, um, the reason why we have that fantasy is because of that parasite, because of the way it plants images, it, it distorts and perverts our pure life force into this kind of perverted, desire so that it can control us. Because if we, if we have that shame, you know, we talked about the toxic shame in the first episode that if we are harboring shame, then, um, that parasite can control us. I see. It actually moves through shame. And that's why I believe, you know, like anyone being abused and the whole secret thing or keeping secrets, it, it breeds in the secrets and the shame. And that's why I want to talk about it because I've seen that so clearly. It's like, well, what if we just expose it? If everybody starts to see it and notice it and, and didn't feel ashamed to just expose where it's hiding. Well, I feel like maybe we have an opportunity to eradicate it. Right. Because like, you know, it, let's take a, you know, a, um, a 17 year old or 18 year old niece who, you know, is, uh, maybe going through a hard time or maybe doesn't have a father or, um, you know, and is in her, um, her, her sexuality is rising at that age and she's discovering and she doesn't really there's there's not enough um talk about this for for people coming into their sexuality either about about how sacred it is or how to manage it right how to circulate it how what it what it is what you're feeling there's so there can be a lot of confusion and there's a ton of confusion yeah yeah and then let's say there's an uncle who also has some confusion or some problems there. And then these two are spending a lot of time together and the rest of the family thinks, oh, they're just chatting or, well, they really get along or they're really, you know, um, they're really close. They really get each other. And then suddenly there's sexual feelings going on from him to her and he's feeling maybe something from her or maybe he starts something Mm -hmm. and then, and then she feels then roped in maybe or, 
starts to... Oh, for sure. Because the purity of like an innocent, um, someone who's in their innocence of their sexuality, they are going to um, be so pure in the expression of their attraction. And what happens for someone who already has that hook inside them is that when they receive the attraction of another, like if it's the uncle receiving the adoration and the unconditional love of a niece, mm-hmm. which is really common. I mean, that is just what happens, right? There's That's just this young, beautiful girl child who is completely adoring this man. Well, mm-hmm. if that man um, doesn't, see it in the in the purest light or is then fantasizing about that and that hook and that parasite is in him he's he's gonna have a hard time finding his boundaries with it and and being able to really transmute that to a high level i mean i i've been searching Mm -hmm. all over the world looking for men who can handle that kind of female pure shakti energy and very few i mean it I, I can say maybe I've only met one or two men that can really sit in the presence of that sort of pure Shakti energy and not take it to, to their erection and to their need to get off on it. Yeah. Thank you for being blunt about that because that's the case right there. And it's such a shame because if we, if we can't find our purity and innocence, well, then like everything just goes so corrupt and, you know, that's where the toxic shame. And so if, if the uncle sees that and then gets aroused and then can't help himself and is just sort of playing with the line and trying to figure it out. And then maybe, maybe the niece, you know, starts talking to him about sex because she feels his arousal. And so she's going to keep, egging it on because she's getting this attention. Like it just goes back and forth. Mm -hmm. And so where do you put, I don't know, the morality clause or the blame or the, you know, it gets really blurry and confusing for both parties. There's, we don't have pure um, role models of clean sexuality in the world today. I, I have been looking, I haven't seen them. If anyone listening knows of them, please, Mm -hmm. please share them with me and the other listeners, because it's just so rare. Like what you've got pop stars, you've got, you know, priests that are abusing the kids in the church. I mean, that's what was happening in my church. Like where, where Mm. do you find clean role models of, of clear, and expressed sexuality. Exactly. It, and it really blows my mind that in this time, you know, we, we think that we're so evolved. We think that, you know, we're, we're talking about things now. And, and yes, we are. But there's so much still, so far to go. And, and that this is our most powerful you know, one of our most powerful forces in our, in in the world is, is the, is the sexual energy. So how do we, how do we educate 
people about this and, and, and how they might be feeling at, in certain different situations and at certain ages. And, um, and because the fact is, is that this is just going on. It's rampant. It happens all the time. And yet nobody seems to know anything about it or people aren't educating it. Mm-hmm. So this, this leaves people to trying, you know, to be trying to figure it out, uh, for themselves or trying to, and then, and then along comes you who, who is seeing this whole thing. I mean, this is almost like two different topics. Um, but seeing this, this parasite thing, this thing infecting us on this energetic level, that's a huge wake up call. Yeah. And we need to talk about that maybe separately. Cause that's a, like an interdimensional, like where did this thing come from? But just to wrap up like mm-hmm. i don't i don't think there is education about what i'm talking about and and that's that's where we're all sort of um lost yeah lost and confused and and grappling with well, well what does it look like where do i go this way do i go that way and i know for myself i had to swing from like really sexually um expressed and liberated to completely living like a saint and a nun. Um, and, and then now trying to like really find the middle path, find that path where my, I'm not shutting down my sexuality or negating it, but, but honoring it and purifying it to the, the highest frequency that I believe it, it can shine at. So like reclaiming our, our innocence and purity and reestablishing love as the primary life force, not, not shame, not letting fear run. Yeah. So I think this is the discussion and this is a like community learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, this has been my exploration and sort of my life, my life's work of just wanting to find that satisfaction for myself. And so, you know, going down all these routes looking for answers, but Mm -hmm. I don't know anyone who holds all the answers. So hopefully we'll discover some things, uncover things, put the pieces together and, and map out and start exploring something new. Yeah. We're going to figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Is there hope? (laughs) Is there hope for us? Um, yeah well let's continue this conversation um, in the next episode alright see you guys next time thanks for hanging out with us if you'd like to contact us and stay in touch with us you can find us at lovesexagenda.com that's lovesexagenda.com you can also find us on facebook and instagram love sex and the hidden agenda Bargo de